with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. It's the Thursday edition, which means we start today's show with the Wednesday morning edition of Frontburner from CBC News. Netflix is believed to have millions of Canadian subscribers, but doesn't have to play by the same rules as Canadian broadcasters. This Ever since Netflix stopped mailing DVDs to your door, do you remember that? And became this straight-up streaming service. Ever since Spotify replaced Top 40 Radio in your car. They've gotten a pass from rules that others have to follow. Others like the CBC, like Rogers, like Chorus, like basically everyone who broadcasts a TV show or a song in the public's airwaves. And rules like CanCon rules for one. Part of the CRTC's challenge is that operators like YouTube and Netflix operate largely outside the system. They've been granted an exemption from conventional broadcast regulation. This pass has long rankled the nerves of those conventional broadcasters and annoyed some of the people who create television, film, and music in this country. They're not a special case. They're working in Canada. They're competing against our broadcasters. But it might be about to change, at least if the Liberal government gets its way through a piece of legislation called Bill C-10. Perhaps you've heard of it because it's hit some controversy in recent weeks over a new move that could also bring user-generated content under these new rules as well. We're talking like stuff posted by regular people on YouTube or TikTok. I'm Jamie Poisson, and today the Logic's tech and policy reporter Murad Hamadi is here to explain this proposed legislation and how it's turning into a contentious debate over free expression. Hi, Murad. It's so great to have you here on the podcast. It's great to be here. Uh, so, look, uh, traditional broadcasters, I know they've had their complaints about this current regulatory arrangement for years now, right? And so why is that? So traditional broadcasters have to follow a whole bunch of rules in order to be able to do what they do, which is, you know, broadcast shows um, or in the case of radio stations uh, to sort of uh, put music out over the airwaves um, through conventional channels. Um, so for the big, uh, the major broadcasters, the Rogerses and Bells, they have to put as much as 30% of some of their revenues into backing uh, CanCon, Canadian mm-hmm, content. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have to follow certain rules about how much of that CanCon uh, they have to put on TV or put on uh, their uh, you know, radio stations, which is why, for example, Brian Adams is such a thing. Do you think that's why Brian Adams is such a thing? <laughs> Well, uh, we're not going to get into my musical taste today because that is far too contentious <laughs> for this. But, you know, like uh, it, every time I go to Peterborough, I have to listen to Patio Lanterns on repeat. And one of the reasons why that is, is because there are these rules about how much airtime uh, or screen time uh, Canadian content needs to get. Uh, now, under uh, an order, a CRTC, so the Canadian Radio and Telecommunications Commission, uh, which is the regulator for broadcasting and telecom in Canada, the big federal regulator, in 1999, they made this ruling that basically um, 
online services didn't have to follow all of these rules. Now, you got to remember, you know, 1999, the Internet was sort of a thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, suffice to say, we're talking about the blockbuster era. Um, yeah. And, I, I uh, mean, I think I was watching, weirdly, the movie You've Got Mail the other day. Uh, and I think that that's like that era where email is this really uh, very new and exciting invention, basically. I turn on my computer. I go online. Welcome. Welcome. And my breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. Yeah, the era of like everyone everywhere having access to content uh, at any time on demand, that era uh, had not yet dawned. Okay, so now it's 2021 and the liberal government has decided whether the streaming services like it or not, it's time to update. As you mentioned, this legislation is very old. It's time to modernize. Uh, So broadly, what is being proposed here? The big idea here is that online services will now fall under the remit of broadcasting rules. Uh Uh, And the act basically gives the CRTC, which, as I say, is the regulator in this area, the responsibility and the power to make rules that uh, do a bunch of different things, among them ensuring um, some degree of what they call fairness between, you know, old world services, the the TV broadcasters and radio stations and online ones, as well as some additional priorities, such as uh, supporting content from uh, indigenous LGBT. BTQ plus and racialized communities, content from women. Um, mm. One important thing here is that legislation basically says to the CRTC, you have these new powers, you have these new sort of uh, priorities. And then subsequent to that, once the legislation passes, there will be a, a directive on a set of orders that the government formally gives the CRTC to say, here's what you need to do. Okay. The draft version of those orders includes most prominently setting up a system to require all types of broadcasters, including now online ones, to make financial contributions to the creation of Canadian content. So, obviously, what's being proposed here is is controversial to some just on its own. Uh, we uh, did a whole episode about this uh, a year ago, strong arguments on both sides of the CanCon system and whether or not it should be extended to streaming services. But what I do want to get into with you more today was that there was a bit of this like completely unexpected development in recent weeks that really blew up in controversy and that's still playing out now. And that has to do with this change made to now include user-generated content in these rules. The uproar stems from an amendment made to the government's broadcasting bill, that is C-10, and the change would allow the country's broadcasting watchdog to regulate content uploaded to social media. So can you explain to me what what on earth is going on here? Yeah, absolutely. So streaming platforms are one thing. Netflix chooses what's on Netflix, right? They have people who purchase and commission programming that goes on there. But now think about YouTube. You or I can go and set up a YouTube account and upload things to Mm -hmm. YouTube. And uh, lots of people do. Yeah, or Uh, I guess TikTok or Facebook, same thing. 
right. Uh, I am just old enough that I am not on TikTok. And, uh, so, <laughs> me do, me do. But yeah, uh, you know, exactly. Same thing. Uh, any platform that allows user-generated content. And the bill in its original form had this um, clause or this section, section 4.1, that said the Broadcasting Act would not apply to programs or, or content uploaded to a social media platform by a user of the service, so long as that user wasn't, you know, commercially linked to the platform. So, okay. you know, um, Twitter broadcasts, NFL games, right? Those kinds of things are like commercial relationships. But, you know, you or I, the stuff that we put up on the site, um, that was going to be specifically excluded. Okay. Um, what uh, happened at the Heritage Committee a couple of weeks ago now is the Heritage Committee is reviewing the legislation. They're doing what's called clause by clause, which is basically they vote on like each piece of the legislation. And the liberal recommendation, the government recommendation was to remove this clause. And that clause protected individual content generators. So you and me or Sally, who posts a video about her kids dancing or her cat, you know, doing a special trick. Those individuals were protected. Once that clause got removed, however, those individuals are no longer protected. And now. OK, and this decision to remove this clause, this clause 4.1 this is what has really hit a nerve with, with some people. And can you tell me a bit about the reaction here? What's the concern? Hello, friends. This is a special video with an important message for any Canadian who cares about preserving a free and independent YouTube. Prime Minister. So what Clause 4.1 does, what removing it does, I suppose, is it means that the platforms... Uh, not the individual users, but the platforms would be subject to this CRTC regulation that we were speaking of before. Now, I think it's very important to point out, and, and the sort of significance of this is debated, but there is a separate clause that says you or I are not going to be treated as broadcasters. So, you know, if the issue is about something you posted or I posted, it's not like we are going to get an order from the CRTC saying this is how you're supposed to treat it. But the platform, YouTube, could get that order. So the mm -hmm. idea is that all of the content, whether it's submitted by a user, like a, a normal user, someone sitting at home, or a giant corporation that has a partnership with YouTube, now it's under the scope of the act. And that right. means that when the CRTC makes decisions, makes orders, sets out these new rules that we've been talking about, those rules will apply to the platform. And the CRTC under the act, one thing I haven't mentioned so far is that they're getting significant new powers to impose penalties. So in theory, these platforms could be subject to penalties for user-generated content. Okay, okay. And this is what people are concerned about, that their own personal posts might now be regulated or, or subject to government regulation. So this is definitely something that the Conservative Party has seized on as an issue. On Tuesday, Aaron O'Toole posted this sort of jokey, may the fourth be with you tweet. He's like walking down the street. I don't know if you saw it with C-3PO. And then suddenly... This is going to be our greatest adventure. The video is blocked and there's this message that comes on screen saying this content has been removed for violating liberal bill C-10. Did you catch that? I did see that. I have um, some questions about how they got the rights to use uh, <laughs> a Star Wars character in it. But yeah, yeah. I don't think day. they did. That would be my guess.
but maybe more significantly, uh, a former CRTC commissioner, Peter Menzies, said that, quote, granting a government agency authority over legal user-generated content doesn't just infringe on free expression, it constitutes a full-blown assault upon it. And so clearly there are people who, who feel very strongly about this, hey? There's a concern that this sort of opens the door, if you will, to a slippery slope. So the mm-hmm. idea is if the CRTC now has the ability to set rules that would govern user-generated content, then today those rules, as the liberal government has presented them, those rules are around things like CanCon funding. They are around things like discoverability of content from underrepresented communities. The idea, I think, is that if you open that door, other things could come through it. And those things could include more targeted political, ideological, you know, societal strictures, uh, limits. Right. People have been comparing this to the, uh, as, as is sort of the want of, of today's politics, to uh, restrictions on speech in China, a state that's not you know, known to be a democracy. And that if that is on the cards, it's it's quite a long way down the line. But I think right. one of the reasons why uh, this is happening is because the liberals have certainly been talking increasingly about the drawbacks, the challenges, the problems created by social media platforms in particular and sort of online platforms in general in terms of issues like harassment, hate speech, disinformation, hate speech, these kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. Uh, and... You know, absolutely, you get the sense that this is a precursor for a much larger fight that may be coming down the line. That is part one of yesterday morning's front burner from CBC News. Part two coming up in a moment here on 93.1 CFIS FM's After Nine. There isn't much that a country singer hasn't covered in a song. If you want to hear songs about new love, lost love, drinking, fighting, cowboys, trains, traveling, and everything else, then tune into the Country Cavalcade every Wednesday, 6 to 8, where I cover music from the 20s to the 90s, as well as today's traditional independent artists. You'll hear from such greats as the Carter family, Johnny Horton, Vern Charlton, and so much more. The Country Cavalcade, Wednesday, 6 to 8, only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM with me, Corey Walker. Community Gaming Grants has an open call for all sport not-for-profits, charities, and community groups to apply. Applications are also being accepted from parent advisory councils of all schools. For help with an application, contact the Northern Interior Communities Association by emailing coordinator at northernica.org or by phoning 250-562-2553. This latest round of Community Gaming Grant applications for sport not-for-profits, charities, community groups, and parent advisory councils will be accepted until May 31st. May is Family Caregiver Awareness Month. Family Caregivers of British Columbia has themed resources available for caregivers. Join the celebration by subscribing to their e-news, attending virtual events, and using hashtag caregiveraware on social media. To take part or for more information, visit familycaregiversbc.ca, a not-for-profit supporting over 1 million people across our province. Family Caregivers of British Columbia celebrating Family Caregiver Awareness Month through May. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today, wind from the southeast at 30, gusting to 50 and a high of 17. Tonight, showers, wind switching from the northwest at 30 late this evening at a low of 3. 
For Friday, a few showers ending in the morning, then a mix of sun and cloud, a high of 10. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And here is part two of yesterday morning's front burner from CBC News. On this very specific change in Bill C-10, the government's attempts to explain or justify it, I think it's fair to say it's been a bit confusing. And I want to play for you this moment from question period this week when Heritage Minister Stephen Gilbo was challenged on the change by Conservative MP Rachel Harder. And he pretty much just changes the subject. And so here's that exchange. I put forward a motion last week at committee asking that there be another review done to this bill because it has substantially undergone change. Experts have stated that we need a new evaluation from the Justice Minister to determine if C-10 respects the Charter. Does the Minister agree? I find it incredibly hypocritical that the member of Lethbridge, who, given the opportunity, would not hesitate one minute to remove women's right to choose, a right protected under the Charter of Rights and Freedom, but would like us and Canadians to believe that all of a sudden she cares deeply about said charter. I have rarely seen such hypocrisy before in my life, Mr. Speaker. Unbelievable. Seriously, that... She's asking about Bill C-10, and he starts talking about abortion, which just seems very off-topic. C-10 has nothing to do with abortion, as far as I can tell. Okay, and, and here's Minister Stephen Gilbo again, being asked by my colleague David Common on Power and Politics about why. And, and sorry, I realize this is a bit of a double negative here about why they've removed the exclusion for user-generated content. Because it was important enough to put that exclusion there in the first place. Now it's gone. Why was it important in the first place to put it there? Con- uh, we're we're not interested. I mean, it's not it's not what the bill is. I, I mean, I, I hear you saying it's you're not, not interested, simply- but there literally was an exclusion that was put in the original iteration of that bill. The thing that was reviewed, and then it got to committee, and bingo, bango, bongo, the exclusion is gone. So why was it important to put it there in the first place, such that now? The, the committee has removed it. Well, I mean, the, the, the committee decides what they want. The bill, first of all, the committee hasn't even finished doing it, doing its work in, in terms of, of, of the amendments. So, so we don't have a full picture of what the bill will, will look like when it comes back, when it comes back to the, to the, to the House of Commons for, for third reading. Would you um, like to see the exclusion back in there? It's not necessary. I mean, so so if it's not necessary, was there, why was it there in the first place? Well, you know, we've we've worked on this for for, for many months. We, we 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 came up with what we thought would be the, the the best possible bill. But 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 bill can always be perfected. They will be amended, and it, it's not the purpose of the bill. So it's not required to be there because I mean, this again, this this idea that the CRTC would would start looking would start doing content moderation is has has no basis in reality. In, in its forty years. Of existence, it has never done that. It doesn't have the power to do that. Bill C-10 doesn't grant the CRTC the power to do that. Okay, and so help me parse that, Murad. What is this explanation for now allowing user-generated content to be part of this bill? I think that clip is a really good illustration of 
the communication uh, that the government has been doing on this issue or lack thereof. So the initial explanation after the first sort of burst of uh, backlash was that this is about uh, ensuring that music on services that do both user-generated and sort of commercial content like YouTube is covered. So, you know, labels will put up music videos on YouTube. That should be subject to the act. That was always the intent of the act. This was the initial explanation. The communication on this has sort of shifted. The the minister put out a statement saying they're going to offer up another amendment to make clear that this is not about user content uploaded to social media um, and that that won't be considered programming under the act. So, you know, once we see what the, the text of that looks like, we'll be able to kind of figure out what that means in practice. But uh, the the argument is that the, the sort of like ways in which social media platforms act like broadcasters in that they have content on there that's more professionally produced, uh, the argument is that was always supposed to be in scope. Okay. So it's still... Clear as mud, fair? Like, we're, we're still left with some questions here, even though they're saying that it's not. We're still left with questions about whether, like, a cat video I post on YouTube would fall under this act scope. Until they actually give us legislative language, yes. So I want to come back to this larger context now, because as you mentioned, the liberal government has signaled that it wants to go further here and that it intends to legislate when it comes to big tech. And the former CRTC commissioner that we talked about earlier, Peter Menzies, his full quote criticizing the change to Bill C-10 said that he was particularly concerned because of the context of, quote, government's musings about taking down websites. And what is he referring to here? What is he talking about? So the liberal government's uh, sort of big tech push, if you will, has three pillars. One is C10, which we've talked about, the streaming services stuff. Two, and the next one sort of up in line, is um, around content. Uh, so what they talk about in terms of online harms. Mm-hmm. Misinformation, hate speech. Well, and, and, and this is, there's a little, there's a little piece of this that's kind of important because originally they were talking strictly about illegal content. So content that is by law already illegal, hate speech is illegal in this country, although actually proving that is pretty difficult. Incitement to violence, uh, terrorist propaganda, these things are already illegal. But the idea is that there were there's another set of rules needed to ensure that in the sort of online space that these uh, laws are enforced. And so going back to um, the election campaign and to uh, Minister Gibo's mandate letter, which is essentially his kind of marching orders from the prime minister, there uh, was talk of new regulations, including a requirement that platforms remove illegal content within 24 hours or face penalties. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Okay. that's what takedown uh, effectively amounts to. Now, one uh, of the concerns that uh, opponents of both this specific government and this general approach to content moderation have is that um, where you draw the lines, uh, you know, whether it's strictly speaking illegal uh, or other forms of online harms, that uh, will sort of determine how much content uh, ends up being regulated. And, you know, there's obviously concern that uh, the more that is in scope, the closer you get to something like speech restrictions. 
Okay, Murad, you mentioned before there were, there were three pillars of what the Liberals are pursuing here. And just very briefly uh, for our listeners, what, what is the third pillar? The third pillar is uh, how online platforms like Facebook and Google uh, should be required or whether they should be required to compensate news organizations for content. Okay, so knowing that that these two pillars, one on content and, and one on news, are, are coming – both super thorny issues. Uh, I have to say uh, that trying to modernize the Broadcast Act, all this stuff around CanCon, comparatively, it seems like kind of small potatoes to me. And and the government is already butting up against these kind of problems with the opposition and with communication problems. And I wonder, Murad, like, what does that signal to you about how the rest of this rollout might go. I think it's going to go very badly. That is my professional analysis, not my opinion. These issues, uh, who should pay for news? Is there a need for protection for CanCon in the year 2021? Uh, what kinds of messages uh, and speech need to be uh, regulated? These are fundamental issues of rights, of speech. They are issues that get to the core of how technology is changing our world, of how we behave on the internet. And I think that increasingly, they are issues of sort of general politics. You know, it's not just those of us who've been extremely online for a long time Mm -hmm. uh, who are seeing this affect sort of the way they go about their lives. I think that was always going to make them contentious. I think that the way that these issues have been rolled out and the lack of communication on some of these issues has exacerbated that problem. Um, Minister Gibo has said in Parliament that the online harms legislation is likely to come this week. He is likely to table it this week. Um, I imagine that will prolong this particular moment of controversy for a while to come. Okay. Well, um, knowing that that is coming this week, I think that uh, we'll have lots to talk about in the weeks and months ahead. So I I hope that you'll come back real soon. Thank you so much for this, Maran. Thank you so much. Okay, so that is all for today. Thanks so much for listening to Front Burner. We'll talk to you tomorrow. That is yesterday morning's front burner from CBC News. Front burner also available through the CBC Listen app and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Don't forget uh, tonight, eleven o'clock is today's or this morning's front burner. They'll be talking about the buying up of big songs. When we return, it's uh, well, kind of a a grab bag of topics this morning on After Nine. It's time to talk about advanced care planning. Advanced care planning is a process of thinking about your values, beliefs, and wishes for future health and personal care and sharing them with the people you trust. For more easy-to-use advanced care planning information, contact the BC Centre for Palliative Care at bc-cpc.ca slash acpday. 
Those eligible can now book for phase two of the COVID-19 vaccinations. Seniors over 80, Indigenous peoples over 65, hospital staff, community general practitioners, and staff in community home support and nursing for seniors all qualify. Appointments can be made between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. seven days a week by calling toll-free 1-844-255-7555. Full details and step-by-step instructions are available online at gov.bc.ca slash first. Be online at the end of May to enjoy musical offerings from Cuba, Sweden, Canada, and New Zealand, all from the comfort and safety of home. The BC Choral Federation Core Fest 2021 is available Friday, May 28th and Saturday, May 29th through bcchoralfed.com. Featuring the most international lineup of presenters in the festival's history, it's a must for choral music fans. BCCF Core Fest 2021, Friday, May 28th and Saturday, May 29th. Early bird registration is available through May 15th at bccoralfed.com. If you are affected by dementia, you are not alone. The Alzheimer's Society of BC currently offers telesupport groups for care partners who are caring for someone living with dementia. The Interior and Northern BC Telesupport Group meets the second Tuesday of each month from 7 to 8 and the third Monday of each month from 2 to 3. For more information or to register, call the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-936-6033 or email info.helpline at alzheimerbc.org. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George, this is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And we'll start off the second half of the show with the uh, most important numbers out there these days, and that is the active COVID numbers. And it uh, continues to go down. Uh, yesterday, there was 13 new cases reported, uh, bringing the active cases in northern BC to 146. Excellent. So, yeah, it's a continued downward trend. And the best part is it's uh, across the province as well. The provincial number is down below uh, 7,000 active cases total. So that's good. And only uh, 572. Well, that's quite amazing, cases. actually, because the active amount of cases at seven and it was over eight not very long ago. Well, actually, it was up around 10,000. And it's, uh, for, it's incredible. For a bit there. So, yeah, it's uh, good to see we're heading in the right direction. And uh, hopefully, uh, as far as the north goes, we'll be under 100 uh, before the long weekend. I, 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 we could be there by sometime next week, the way it's, it's trending. The way it's going, I would think. And uh, in the meantime, a lot of people are uh, starting to make post-COVID plans. Of course, the the story. Well, they've. I don't know what the update is, but uh, they've been saying for quite a while that everyone will that wants to be vaccinated should be vaccinated by September. So, with that in mind, a lot of people, I think, are, are starting to think. Okay, well, are, are we going to be able to do what we would normally do in the fall? And uh, plans are, are going ahead on some of those fronts, including uh, Canada West. Uh, you know, uh, who Canada West is? Canada West. Uh, Canada West is the, um, umbrella for, under which uh, UNBC Timberwolves play. And so, uh, they have announced, I believe it was yesterday the announcement came out that uh, the stage is set for return to play. Uh, this year, this coming season. So that'll be, that would start with uh, soccer in the fall. 
Mm-hmm. Actually, soccer would get underway uh, the end of August, early September. So that would be the first uh, sport that would affect the uh, Timberwolves. And then, of course, basketball once you get into uh, uh, November, December. I could see soccer having a chance. Oh, for sure. Well, uh, they have uh, plans set in place for both uh, both the uh, sports. Uh, the men's soccer, uh, they say, uh, it says Canada West will have 13 teams for men's soccer, uh, 10 or 12 games per team in two divisions, uh, Pacific Division with seven teams, Prairie Division with six teams. Uh, women's soccer, 16 teams. 12 games per team with three divisions, the BC division, the Alberta division, and the Saskatchewan-Manitoba division. Hmm. And then uh, 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 men's and women's basketball, uh, 13 teams for the men's, 14 for the women's, and uh, 16 or 18 games in three different divisions, BC division, Alberta division, and, and Saskatchewan-Manitoba division. So I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they will play within the divisions only mm-hmm. and then uh, progress from there once you get into uh, playoffs and whatnot. So, yeah, that should be fine, <clears throat> I would think. What about locally? Soccer is a big thing in town. Well, uh, I'm sure minor soccer will start up in the fall as well. I don't know if there's anything set for spring. Um, mm. I think a lot of uh, a lot of the sports that usually take uh, start in in this month or next uh, are kind of holding off until uh, the big announcement after the long weekend. Yeah, after a long weekend. So once that comes down, I think you'll see a lot of the the different uh, sport baseball organizations as well would have been getting underway too. So. Exactly, and and senior men's baseball uh, normally they would get uh, they would start their season in an either uh, just before or just after the long weekend mm-hmm. so for them it's not that big of a deal to wait until the announcement on that monday or tuesday <clears throat> and then uh get together uh whatever their schedule is going to be they often play right through the summer too so oh absolutely that's not uh, too hard for them lots of teams in town yeah uh prince george cougars uh continue a bit of a role they've got a three-game winning streak underway as they uh, beat the Giants. Van- they seem to seem to have the Vancouver Giants number this Didn't year. Didn't they shut them out too? Last yeah, night? three yeah. nothing. Wow. Awesome. And they, they, yeah, like I say, they. Uh, it's it's kind of like they know how to play that particular team. They they struggle against Kamloops, but they have uh, seem to have no problem against. Uh, but they beat Kamloops what a couple of days. Well, ago? they did. They yeah. did beat them uh, the Four one time. And the the funny thing is uh, the three game winning streak that's put them into second place in uh, behind Kamloops in the division. Uh, Kamloops seven point lead though. Oh seven. Ooh, that's quite a quite a jump from yeah. uh, first to second. And then uh, Va- Vancouver right behind the uh, Cougars with uh, twenty points. Uh, Cougars have twenty one. Uh, Kelowna Rockets only have seventeen. But they have a better winning percentage than both uh, the Cougars and the Giants as uh, they had that whole COVID delay. So they've actually got uh, seven games in hand. So, seven games in hand. Yeah. yeah. So you would think they'll move up if, well, obviously they would if they continue at a 700 pace. But, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that uh, you just got to be prepped for, I guess. 
Anyway, uh, the sad news for the uh, Cougars is their last loss was actually to the Victoria Royals, who are in dead last with only two wins. So two wins. One of those Ooh. games where you should have won on paper, but yeah. like they say, the game is not played on paper. Uh, oh, looking at the time, we're uh, basically ready for a break, so let's do that. We'll do a quick break and come back uh, with more of our potpourri, potpourri, potpourri this morning on After 9. London Drugs is expanding their local central program to further support local restaurants across Western Canada. Any restaurant with specialty items suitable for retail sales, such as sauces, jams, rubs, or apparel, are encouraged to submit them for consideration to be sold from London Drugs shelves. More information and application forms are available online through the News and Events link at the bottom of the LondonDrugs.com homepage. The London Drugs Local Central Program. Some rules and restrictions apply. It's been more than a year since the coronavirus profoundly changed our lives. The devastating impact has been felt deeply by people living with dementia and their caregivers. The Alzheimer's Society of BC encourages those dealing with dementia to receive the vaccine as soon as possible. Visit their official website for the most up-to-date information on vaccine distribution and timelines at alzbc.org slash immunization. If you have questions or concerns about your personal situation, contact your doctor or other health care provider. Join the Method Dance Society for free online workshops on contemporary movement and dance. Hosted by Method Dance Society, a half dozen guest instructors will help you develop your dance skills. The final workshop runs this Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Register for one or all the sessions at methoddance.ca. That's a free online workshop in contemporary movement and dance from Method Dance Society, Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today, wind from the southeast at 30, gusting to 50 and a high of 17. Tonight, showers, wind switching from the northwest at 30 late this evening at a low of 3. For Friday, a few showers ending in the morning, then a mix of sun and cloud, a high of 10. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And this morning we're going through basically our emails to uh, chat about different things. And this email just got sent uh, from, I believe it's the library, yeah, Prince George Public Library. They are uh, presenting um, a, a seminar, a webinar, a Zoom meeting for tenants. Actually... Yeah. Uh, tenants in Prince George have the opportunity to learn about their rights as renters during a free virtual program tomorrow. Hmm. Kind of uh, late uh, for them to send it to us, but <laughs> uh, luckily we got it on the air this morning. Uh, the library is partnering with, partnering with the Justice Education Society to present renters' rights. Uh, the program takes place uh, on via Zoom at uh, noon tomorrow. So... I, it doesn't say how long it is, but I guess a lot will depend on questions and that sort Absolutely, of thing. Yeah. I know the library did one uh, last year for actual renters, people that own properties. And um, well, the odd thing is the session will cover the basics of tenancy, including how to write a tenancy agreement, uh, then tenants' rights and responsibilities. That's one thing that I've found as a person that has a, a, a facility that I rent out. I don't think they quite understand what their responsibilities are sometimes, you know, as far as garbage and keeping oh, yeah. the place clean and that sort of thing. 
Uh, there's also, they'll talk about how to end a lease or deal with an eviction notice. Uh, in addition, participants will also learn about the impact of COVID-19 on renters, including legal changes and a renter's responsibilities and rights during the pandemic. That's and what I, I was just thinking. What an odd yeah. time to bring it up, right? Well, and, and I don't think that has really been made that public as far as renters' responsibilities during the pandemic, mm-hmm. because... Uh, I, I think it's well known that right now there's a, uh, a, a rental freeze on. You can't increase rent and a during the pandemic. Well, there was an eviction freeze on. I believe that actually ended last fall. Uh, like I looked it up recently because I had to evict someone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and all I could see was that it had ended, I think, in September really? last year. Yeah, which I thought odd that it wasn't extended. But um, nowhere do you hear about responsibilities of renters. Like I have one uh, one of the suites that I rent where there was a constant flow of people in and out of that, that suite. Mm. And you'd think that during a pandemic you would just want to keep it to you know the people that actually live there right but what can you do that's uh so that's tomorrow and you can find out all the details uh through the events link at pgpl.ca so prince george public library.ca pgpl.ca and, uh, yeah, the events link for renters' rights, and that's a Zoom meeting tomorrow. You pr- well, it's Zoom, so you probably have to register in order to get the Zoom link, et cetera, right? You ever have rentals or? Uh, no. No. You've never gone down that? Uh, I've never gone down that road. No interest in it? Uh, I think it's a, it would depend on the situation. Yeah. It's what it's, the setup was. Yeah. Well, it's very much, uh, a type of thing where you have to have a very uh, to be successful as a as a landlord you need to have a different kind of uh, focus a different kind well, of Well if I was a landlord you'd cause it's, probably see me often enough because yeah. I would be around I would Oh yeah yeah you, know, you definitely want to be a I'm not, hands-on I wouldn't be one of those guy. that lived somewhere else 500 but, miles away right But you really have to like you can't be too worried about the little things no because that would drive you up the wall <laughs> right like I, I talked about cleanliness and that sort of thing you, you sort of have to let some of that slide because really they're you know to an, to an extent i mean to an once, extent. once it gets too too bad then you sort of have to crack the whip but it it can be a little bit daunting to sort of um, cover that sort of stuff i think uh, news story just came down actually this morning as well. And, uh, speaking of renters, uh, this is actually a structure fire, uh, from a suite number 202 at 1823rd Avenue. Uh, it says, uh, uh, Prince George Fire Rescue responded to a possible structure fire at 1823rd Avenue and that that would be up around Dairy Queen, I think. It almost sounds like Dairy yeah, Queen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on arrival, crews found a two-story commercial building with light smoke coming from the roof. Uh, four halls initially responded to the reported structure fire. The fire was isolated to the roof and was quickly extinguished with no surrounding exposures affected. 
damages estimated two thousand dollars. So all in all, not a bad. Uh, that, that was a good job so it must by the be firefighters. That strip just before Dairy Queen. Uh, could be. Uh, no firefighters, no firefighters or civilians were injured as a result of this fire. The cause of the fire is currently under investigation. And this is where uh, Google Maps comes in handy because you quickly type in Google Maps and oops, Google <laughs> Maps and play by play. Uh, eighteen. Oh, why did that not come up? Maps, Google, there we go. Uh, and then uh, type in the address, 1820 Third Avenue, Prince George, and we'll find out exactly which structure that was. Goes down, and we have a look, and, oh, it is uh, the building right next to Pattison Broadcasting. There you go. Yeah. So lucky for them, the uh, there was no uh, transmission of the fire to the next building. There, that can that can be a bit of a pain. Mm. No fault of your own, and boom, you end up with a structure fire. Uh, here's some uh, good news. Bell, I guess it's Bell Mobility. Uh, they have a program called Let's Talk Diversity, and it's a, a fund that they put out. You apply for funding, and and it gets uh, distributed. And they've actually put out six, uh, six uh, money to six different organizations in BC. Uh, a group called Mosaic, Mosaic has got gotten funding through this, and it says here uh, we are so grateful to Bell. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk for Bell. Let's talk. That's the name of the whole thing uh, for its generous gift to support and improve mental health and overall well-being of newcomers, immigrants, and refugees of all ages. So the uh, Bell Let's Talk funding is specifically for mental health. Um, Bell's generosity helps Mosaic support newcomers, especially with the surge in demand for virtual services for counseling and group workshops. Terrific. Yeah. I had another news story here that is somewhat related and that was um, all to do, I'm just trying to find it here, uh, expected increase in home sales in BC. Expected increase? Well, yeah, and uh, I'll look it up here and we'll talk a little bit about that because I found it kind of interesting. Uh, they expect a bit of a boom over the next year at least. And uh, we'll talk about that. I thought that. we were in a boom. Well, we are. A, well, that, I think that's price boom, but they're talking about uh, that's construction. Pretty bit of a bit of a str- construction boom. Anyway, we'll we'll take a break and come back. I'll uh, track that down and we'll discuss that in a moment here on After Nine. A one-time provincial recovery benefit is available for residents of B.C. If you file an income tax return for 2019, you are eligible, whether single or as a family. To apply, you need your social insurance number, your 2019 income, direct deposit information, and a driver's license number if you have one. For more information or to apply for the provincial recovery benefit, visit gov.bc.ca slash recovery dash benefit. The B.C. recovery benefit application deadline is June 30th. Omanika Arts Centre needs your help. A locally-led, artist-run, not-for-profit since 2018, the Omanika Arts Centre needs approximately $60,000 to cover this year's operating budget. 
A GoFundMe charity fundraising campaign has been started to generate the funds needed to continue as an important venue for the local arts community. To make your donation, visit GoFundMe.com and search for Omanika Arts. Check out the current total and make your donation today to save Omanika Arts Centre at GoFundMe.com. Le Cirque de Canadian Francais and the BC Federation of Francophones are proud to present the Scavenger Hunt Challenge. Through the end of May, find posters and pictures throughout Prince George for the new welcoming Francophone community. Take a picture and tag the community on social media or contact them by emailing cfa.ccfpg at gmail.com for a chance to win one of three prizes. Open to all residents of Prince George. Full details are available on the Welcome Francophone Community of Prince George Facebook page. Canadian Tire's Jumpstart Sport Relief Fund is ready to help build back sport and play. Canadian Tire has been trusted for nearly a century to help families get involved in sport and play and is proud to embrace its role in building back Canadian sport and ultimately in helping communities rebuild. Applications for the Jumpstart Sport Relief Fund are now open. Funding programs through the end of the year. Canadian Tire's Jumpstart Sport Relief Fund. For more information, including how to apply and application details, visit jumpstart.canadiantire.ca. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And before we get to the uh, discussion about the BC housing market, there's one thing that I, I should talk about. Uh, we, I, I was hoping to have Garth Frizzell on today, and one of the reasons I wanted Garth on is, is he's very good at explaining why it's important to fill out the census. Right now they're doing the, the census in Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, I'm probably going to have to go online to do mine. I noticed that a lot of people have gotten the census card or form in the mail. I got my mail you and got I did yours. it online. Yeah, yeah. It takes like three minutes. Well, I haven't even gotten that. Oh, yeah, I haven't me. gotten anything in the mail, so I'm going to have to go online to do it. But everyone should do it. Absolutely. Because it lets, uh, it lets the governing bodies, uh, uh, city, provincially, federally, and federally know where the population is and funding gets allocated accordingly. So if you don't, if you don't get counted, that means we get less money than what we really need to keep things going, right? So don't forget, uh, fill it out if you got it in the mail. If not, uh, track it down online and do it. Uh, Takes three minutes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, housing market, this uh, came down this morning. And a funny thing is it came from uh, a lady. Uh, here, here's how her first name was spelt, is spelt. Uh, M-E-A-D-H-B. H. H-B-H. Yeah. Okay. You know how that's pronounced? Absolutely not. Uh, well, it says right here, Maeve. Maze. Maeve. Maeve. Yeah. Oh, Maeve. So, so I guess that is a Celtic spelling, <laughs> which always uh, surprises me. You know, things like Sinead, well, S-I-N-E-A-D. Yeah. Uh, but this one, M-E-A-D. H-B-H is Maeve. Ooh. Okay. Anyway, uh, she sent along this uh, announcement that uh, it's regarding the latest BC housing market economic analysis 2021 to 2023 by Central One's chief economist, Brian Yu. And here are the highlights. BC home sales, they expect to grow by 37% next or this year. 
this this year alone, 37%, followed by 21, uh, well, this is the odd thing, followed by a 21% contraction next year, and then a 3.7% drop in uh, 2023. Now, I assume what they mean by contraction is that it it won't, the sales will lo- drop what off. What do they base the 37% on? I don't know. Uh, median sale, uh, median resale price of BC homes to grow 10% this year, Ooh. followed by a 4.2% increase next year and a 3% increase in 2023. Wow. Yeah, so a bit of a... Like I say, a bit of a boom, especially price pricing wise. Housing starts up ten percent this year. Uh, they expect them to hold steady in twenty twenty two due to weaker immigration, followed by eleven point seven percent increase in twenty twenty three as uh, immigration res- uh, the immigration cycle returns. All right. And then finally, higher mortgage rates are unlikely. Supply challenges and population demand will curb market, uh, curb the market going forward. Hmm. So interesting prediction. Uh, the last note I think is, is good news for everyone. The fact but that they've they, already, uh, they've already like made it real difficult now for younger couples to get into a home. Well, that's because of the know, price. And it, well, yeah, and it keeps going well, up. Well, they did make some changes, I thought, at the federal level recently uh, to alleviate that a bit because of the soaring price. But I, I don't know enough to talk about that. Because locally, we're over 400000 Yeah, average price, uh, 400000 Yeah, You know, that's just... Yeah, there are... There are uh, some deals out there. But I mean, they sell, they're selling so quick here in town. Yep. It's just the house down the, the, the block was up for a week, and it was a big house, mm-hmm. and it's gone. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, like, that's that's the provincial numbers that I was uh, quoting there. Uh, locally, I think it's, uh, you know, even... Even more of a boom, I think. I think it is, yeah. There's a lot of activity going on. And uh, part of that, I think, is the fact that the COVID numbers, although we had uh, quite an increase there for a while, they've still been relatively good compared to all of Alberta, uh, the lower mainland, and various other areas across Canada. So, I don't know. We're doing something right, is, is what I figure. No, yeah, we got fresher air. We're we're breathing better air. We got our head on our shoulders straight. Yeah, <laughs> fresher air. We have we have a few new tenants here at uh, the uh, Q3 building down at uh, Quebec and Third, and uh, from out of town, they've moved into town to set up office. And one of the comments uh, the lady said the other day, she says, uh, "Do you smell something strange outside?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I, I didn't notice anything. So I explained that uh, many newcomers to Prince George find a little bit of an odd smell because they're not used to the, the and it's ever so slight. I mean, I, I don't notice it at all. No. Uh, and obviously you didn't notice it. But uh, yesterday she found it kind of an odd smell outside. Maybe and, once a year we might get it up where, where I live. But yeah, other than that. No, but I mean, even coming downtown, you you don't notice it, oh, right? No. Do you? No, yeah, because they've they've actually cleaned that up quite a bit over the years. 
So, uh, oh, it used to be bad. But yeah, you can tell someone oh. that's from out of town where it's like kind of an odd smell out there today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll you'll get used to it. Yeah, don't worry. It about goes that. away. Uh, I believe, uh, yeah, yesterday was the UNBC Legacy Breakfast. And if I'm not mistaken, we got a release about that. Uh, apparently it was, uh, another big success. Uh, let me just find it here. Da, 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 da. Where was it? There we are. Yeah, a big thank you going out. Uh, Oh, and they wanted to remind everyone that uh, the the breakfast is over. They did the re- breakfast yesterday morning, but they also have a an auction. So that is uh, still on, I believe. Let me just open this and see what it says. Um, yeah, you go to, uh, well, you can find it through the Timberwolves website, which is unbc.ca slash Timberwolves. Timberwolves. And then they have a, a number of items up for bid that you can uh, help. And oh, here's here's the latest uh, amount raised. Uh, good job for uh, not being able to do this in person live. Eight thousand four hundred thirty-five dollars raised, and their goal was eight thousand. So wow. great job by uh, everyone taking part. And UNBC Timberwolves looking Prince forward comes to uh, again. yeah. And looking forward to a return to play at the end of the year, or end of August, I think. So that'll wrap it for today's show. Tomorrow it will be uh, Ram and Stag, the podcast, followed by the Friday panel here on After 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. You're listening to CFISFM Prince George, a not-for-profit community radio station broadcasting with 500 watts of power at 93.1 on the FM dial. CFISFM is owned and operated by the Prince George Community Radio Society.